0: All right, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody is adjusting to the time change. Uh, th- this one always sort of bothers me, you know. Uh, I love the fact that it gets darker later. In fact, I really love it. I, you know, 7 o'clock now, the sun goes down here in the New York area. Uh, pretty soon it'll be, you know, 8, 9 o'clock by the time we get to June, but... At the same time, losing an hour of sleep and adjusting to this time change is always a little bit tougher for me, so I hope everybody is adjusting okay, and folks, the New York Islanders, they better make some adjustments in a hurry. They are now on a six-game winless streak, 0-3-3, and in danger of falling out of the playoff picture uh, altogether. If the season ended today, uh, right now it's just games in hand that keep the Islanders ahead uh, in that wildcard race. And quite honestly, games in hand are meaningless if you don't win them. And the way they're playing right now, winning is still few and far between. And it's something the Islanders are going to have to address and address soon. We'll talk about that. We'll look back at a big battle between the Islanders and the Rangers on this date in Islanders history. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the things this team can do in order to fix things and improve their product on the ice. If you have a question, a comment, something you'd like us to discuss, please send us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name and your town, and uh, we're more than happy to uh, mention you on the air as we discuss your topic. You could also uh, send us a message on Twitter, and follow us on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and uh, we will keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, events, and happenings. All right, so the weekend, as we said, uh, a rough one for the New York Islanders, 13,917 fans at the Nassau Coliseum, another one of those games where coming in, you say to yourself, they've got to win this one. They have got to win this one. They're playing a team just behind them in the standings. Playing a team that, you know, a win puts a lot of distance between them and, you know, Carolina. And yet, not so simple. Uh, Another one of those, you're at home, you should win the game. And yet, the Islanders don't find a way. Anton Forsberg was the starting goaltender for the Carolina Hurricanes, Tomas Grice getting the call for the Islanders. The scratches for the Islanders, Johnny Boychuk still out with that injury, Cal Clutterbuck, Thomas Hickey, Ross Johnston, Otto Koivula, and Tom Kunackle. So lots of scratches uh, in this game. And uh, at the same time, not an easy one for the Islanders when all was said and done. They give up the first goal of the game and it was a frustrating goal that they gave up Justin Williams his fifth from Hayden Flurry uh at 1322 that made it one nothing in favor of Carolina and again it just sort of set a tone that if you're the Islanders you don't want you, you don't want to come out in a home game like that behind the eight ball already falling behind especially for this Islanders team right now because you know When you fall behind and your confidence is already flagging a little bit, it gets you off to the wrong start. And you felt it in the building if you were at the Coliseum, the doubt that was creeping into the fans. The fans got quieter, they were concerned, and rightfully so, because this team has struggled to score goals, you fall behind, you press even more, wasn't the start that they wanted to get off to, and uh, as a result... You know, things uh, not starting off on the right foot. Now, the Islanders did have a few chances. Eberle had a partial breakaway early on, but Forsberg made the save. But overall, their play in that first period was pretty flat. And then late in the period, they take a bad penalty. Uh, Leo Komarov, a four-minute high-sticking penalty. He drew blood on Brady Shea. 16.58, the time of that penalty, the Islanders did manage to kill it off, but again, you come out, you're playing flat to begin with, and then you allow that uh, goal, and then you pick up that penalty, which prevents you from getting much going. The penalty carried over to the second period, but after 20 minutes, it was 1-0 Carolina, and let's face it, Islanders with only six shots on goal, in that period, outshot nine to six. Now, the penalty kill—you finish a four-minute PK—should give the team a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a jolt, but not happening. And you know, look, another post is uh, the Islanders gave up a quality scoring chance and and got lucky on that one. And then, 2:57 into the period, the Islanders take a bench minor too many men on the ice, Eberle ends up serving it, they kill that one off too, and then at 11.09, Ryan Zingle and Anthony Beviliet actually dropping the gloves, and, uh, you know, that one is uh, more than a little bit of a surprise, uh, to say the least, but at the end of the day, and Zingle gets the extra two minutes in this case, For roughing, gives the Islanders a power play, but doesn't happen, and they are unable to convert. They get another chance uh, a little bit later on uh, with the man advantage, but the Islanders, by the way, do manage to tie the game. Five minutes, 15 seconds in. Pulak with a blast from the point. Nice play by Anders Lee to set up this goal, holding the puck and then making that pass from... You know, behind the goal, to Pulak back at the point, and he blasts it in past Forsberg at 5:15, ties the game 1-1. And again, in the second period, the Islanders better, but not great. Kane's still out shooting the Islanders 20 to 15 after 40 minutes, still getting the better of the play. But look, if you're an Islander fan, after 40 minutes, game all even. You're the home team. You scored the last goal. The momentum, more or less, is on your side and uh, as we head into the third period. All right, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll cover that third period plus overtime, and we have this date in Islanders history and a lot more to discuss, so stay with us right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans but you may not know that Locked On Islanders is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Islander fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Islander fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated and has disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Just text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, so the third period gets underway, and the Islanders, unfortunately, fall behind. Joel Edmondson with a nice little tap in uh, on a shot by Tivu uh, Teravainen. The puck comes back around in front of the goal off of deflection, and Edmondson pokes it home his seventh Secondary assist to Andre Svechnikov, and at 6:16, the Islanders falling behind two to one. And again, it's one of those goals where the Hurricanes just had numbers down low. the The rebound comes out, the puck is loose in front of the net, and the Islanders didn't have, they didn't hustle enough. They weren't playing positionally sound enough defense to cover all of the opposing players who were in the slot area and just outside the crease. And as a result, the puck ends up in the net. But the Islanders, to their credit, do not quit. And Noah Dobson ends up setting up this goal. Uh, Josh Bailey ends up putting home the rebound of Dobson's shot for Bailey, his 14th. Andy Green with another helper on this one at 15.02. And the Coliseum was electrified again as the Islanders were in a position, they had tied the game, looked like they were all but guaranteed to get a point, and things were looking up. Now, the Islanders go on the power play uh, late in the game as Brady Shea trips Matthew Barzal with 51.3 seconds left in regulation, and now all of a sudden, everything's looking very good for the New York Islanders. They have the man advantage, to close out regulation, and you hope that they have, uh, in addition, you know, if it carries over into overtime, they'll get the four-on-three power play, and that's even more dangerous. But the power play doesn't even last 28 seconds. Barzal, with a four-minute high stick, with 23.8 seconds left in regulation, he clips Jordan stall. no question about this call, unfortunately, and it was more than a stupid penalty, because in addition to canceling out the power play, you now flip the switch, and it's Carolina that's going to end up with the extra four-on-three attacker in overtime, uh, if the game, you know, goes to overtime, and again, you're talking about, what, 23.8 seconds left, so yeah, They go to overtime, all tied at two, and the Canes end up eventually with a four-on-three power play for two minutes, 28 seconds. It does not take long. Vincent uh, Trocek, his 11th, from uh, Svechnikov and Sebastian Aho at 136, game over. Now, this goal was no doubt controversial. There is no question about that. There, the question was whether Svechnikov handled the puck with a high stick. And you look at the replay, and it is so close. It looked like the puck was, you know, that he handled the puck under the crossbar, but over his shoulder. And the call on the ice was that it was a good goal. And so they didn't have enough video evidence to definitively overturn that. I venture to say, had the call on the ice been no goal, they probably would have let that stand as well. It was that close of a play. But at the end of the day, Islander fans, we can all complain all we want about the officiating. Oh, we don't get the calls. Oh, they don't respect us, etc., etc., etc. But I'm going to say it this way. These are not the kind of things that the Islanders and their fans were saying during the 17-game point streak in October and November. Flat out just wasn't happening. These are the kind of things that you complain about when your team is 0-3-3 in their last six games. First of all, the penalty that gave them the power play by Barzal was absolutely foolish. Taking a high-sticking penalty... In the offensive zone, when you have a power play in the closing minute of a game, is just the worst possible timing. Second of all, again, the Islanders getting beaten to loose pucks and not covering well in front of their own goaltender. I can't blame Grice for that goal and for many of the goals that, you know, the three goals that were given up. At the end of the day, the Islanders just aren't doing enough to get on track, and there's a lot of problems up and down this lineup that are causing the Islanders to be in this slump. You look at the box score from this game, and the Islander forwards, Bailey had the only goal, and Anders Lee the only assist among 12 forwards in this game. That's not going to get this job, the job done at the end of the day. It's just not. Shots on goal, Lee had four, and then two defensemen also had four, Pulak and Devon Tays. Pulak also had five hits, finished the game with a plus one, and and, uh, Andy Green leading the way for the Islanders with four blocked shots. Meanwhile, you know, we've talked about the third line and their struggles. We've talked about the fourth line. And their struggles. And overall, the Islanders just not getting enough offense throughout their lineup. And just those breakdowns that they're having on defense, they're just bad enough that when you're not scoring any goals, those mistakes that end up in your own net are more memorable and they cost you. They absolutely cost you. So the Islanders fall in overtime to the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah questionable call on the game-winning goal, but at the end of the day, the Islanders put themselves in that situation and weren't able to dig themselves out of it, and it's frustrating, and it's got to change soon, or this team is in big trouble. How can the Islanders change it around? We'll talk about that. Plus, we have this date in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to March 9th, 1991 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Islanders and the Rangers, and it didn't take long for this one to heat up. Mark Janssens of the Rangers called for interference at 103, and Pat LaFontaine makes them pay a power play goal, his 38th from Brent Sutter and Brad Dalgarno, and the Islanders quickly had a 1-0 lead, but then Dalgarno heads off for holding at 547, and Mike Gartner, the Hall of Fame right winger for the Rangers, scores his 39th goal on the power play, assists to Bernie Nichols and James Patrick at 7 and the game was tied at 1. The Rangers took a lead late in the first period. Randy Moeller, his fourth from Bernie Nichols at 1847, and after 20 minutes, the Rangers held the early 2 to 1 lead. But in the second period, the Islanders bounce back. They tie it. It's two minutes 51 seconds in on a goal by Ray Ferraro, his 21st assist to Tom Fitzgerald and David Volleck. Then, with the Islanders shorthanded, Mick Vakota off for tripping at 313. And then Wayne McBean off for cross-checking at 4-17. Rangers have a five-on-three, and Darren Turcott cashes in. His 21st from Brian Leach and Nichols. And it's again uh, a 3-2 Rangers lead. But the Islanders bounce back. Derek King, his 18th from McVacota at 10:57. And then with a minute 25 left in the second period, Derek King again his 19th from Ken Baumgartner and Brent Sutter, and all of a sudden, after two periods, the Islanders have a 4-3 lead. In the third, the Islanders extend their lead. LaFontaine, his second of the game, 39th of the year from Gary Nyland at 540, and then David Volok his 22nd from LaFontaine at 11:12. And the Islanders had a 6-3 lead. Rangers cash in on the power play late with uh, a call against Glenn Healy, the goalie for high sticking. James Patrick scores his 10th from Gartner and Turcott at 1753. But that was as close as the Rangers would get. Healy with 39 saves. The Islanders gave up 43 shots in this game. Mike. Richter getting the start, but John Van Beesbrook came in, played the third period, and ended up getting the loss for the Islanders. Two goals, one assist for LaFontaine. Derek King with a pair of goals. Brent Sutter with a pair of assists. Volick with one goal and one assist as well. Dean Chanelf, a plus three to lead all Islanders players, while... Tom Fitzgerald led All-Islanders with five shots on goal in this one. Big game for Glenn Healy, who uh, definitely was the main reason the Islanders were able to come away with this victory. Again, the Islanders beating the Rangers 6-4 on this date in Islanders history, March 9th, 1991. All right, so how do the Islanders bounce back from this absolute messy situation they have themselves in? And, you know, there's a lot of things, when you look at it, that they have to do. The line combinations are being switched up all the time right now. And understandably so, because they're just not producing. Andrew Ladd, you know, Michael Dalcole, Matt Martin, Derek Brassard, Leo Komarov... None of these players right now are playing and producing very much offensively, and that's a big, big problem for this team. And, you know, none of the substitutes for the bottom six forwards are really getting the job done. The Nelson, Bavillier, and Bailey line also not producing a lot. Bailey, you know, got a goal against Carolina, but, what, well, that was his first goal in four games? And a longer slump before that. The Barzal Lee Eberly line is clicking a bit, but they need to have the problem is they need to have more than one line clicking in any given game. And look, when your team is struggling the way the Islanders are struggling, you got to go back to basics. You got to play a Barry Trotz Islanders style of hockey. Start with your goaltending and your defense be smart in your own zone, make the safe, smart play, four-check well, and just win your shift. Make every shift count. And, you know, there's a reason that these statements are cliches. They're cliches because they're true, and they've been true for a very long time. The Islanders right now 24th in the league in goals scored and slipping. Sixth in the league in goals against. Remember, during the streak and shortly thereafter, they were first for a long time. Power play, 23rd in the league. That's just not going to get it done. And the, the fact is, the penalties they're taking have been foolish ones at bad times. And they just need to play smarter hockey. Look, you look at the standings right now. The Islanders are still just 10 points out of first, with a game in hand on the Capitals, who have 89 points. The Flyers also have 89 points, played the same number of games. Pittsburgh in third with 84 points. They've played the same 68 games as those three teams. So the Islanders have a game in hand on all of these teams. Third place, Pittsburgh just five points away, Islanders with a game in hand. Carolina and the Islanders now even with 79 points in 67 games, but Carolina ahead on the tiebreaker right now because they have more wins and more R.O.W. Islanders right now fifth in the division officially, 79 points in 67 games. Columbus the same number of points as Carolina and the Islanders, but they've played two more games than those teams, and the Rangers just three points in back of them with 68 games and 76 points. This is going down to the wire, and timing-wise right now, look, we talked about the four-game Western Conference road trip that they had earlier, and they went, you know, winless on that one. Now, they have another four-game road trip, three of them in Western Canada. Tuesday at Vancouver, Thursday at Calgary, Friday at Edmonton, and then Sunday of next week at Pittsburgh, back east, of course. You got not an easy schedule here. These are not teams that you necessarily should beat on the road, but I'll tell you something. Out of eight possible points on this road trip, let's get at least five. Minimum of four, but let's get at least five. Let's get something going, guys, because it is not – time is is running out. Time is slipping away, and that great start to the season is rapidly in the rearview mirror and fading fast. Fifteen games left on the season. You've got to do something constructive with this road trip. All right. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps grow the show, helps other Islander fans find us when they do a search for an Islanders podcast. Please also, if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend, tell your family member, let them know uh, of the uh, about Locked On Islanders. It always helps and, and certainly is appreciated. I want to thank everybody for listening and As always, we will be back tomorrow with a full preview of the game in Vancouver. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.